0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Gibb, and I have the opportunity of speaking this morning. And uh, Pastor Jeremy and I were looking at a, his schedule, and there was an open date at this time. This is like a month, six weeks ago. And uh, we uh, picked this passage, and uh, he's allowing me to speak this morning. Those of you that are guests with us, uh, he'll be back next week to continue on the Ruth series. So we're very glad that you're here. Christmas Eve, Caroline and I look at each other and go, oh, wow, we got to have that for lunch tomorrow. You know, it's that one thing you got to have, you know, to make it perfect. And we didn't have it. And I went, okay, I'll go to Meyer on the way to church and, uh, you know, I'll get it. And I'm going, oh, my gosh, I've got to go to Meyer on Christmas Eve. You know, it's a madhouse. It's crazy. I'm driving up, and there it is, three spaces from the front, the perfect parking place. This person's pulling out. I pull up. I'm a backer in her. So they pull out. I pull up, and I'm backing in, and I see this flash. I'm going, what's that? And I look in the rearview mirror, and there's this sports car has cut me off. On Christmas Eve, God gave me that spot. Can you believe that? What do we do in those moments when we feel the emotion, we feel it rise up, and it's there? And as followers of Jesus Christ, how do we deal with that in our lives? Emotions. Emotions or a natural, instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, and relationship with others. A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jeremy spoke on what we describe as the Good Samaritan. He saw the injured man on the side of the road, and he had this visceral response And he had to do something. He had to do something. And that was an example of loving your neighbor. But you have to do something. And that's the way our emotions are. They well up in us. And we have to do something. And sometimes it may not be what we want to do. To put this in context... Look at Ephesians 4, uh, verse 1. Therefore, a prisoner, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We are called to walk in a manner worthy of that calling walking in a manner of our calling challenges how we think feel and act in our relationship with the Lord Jesus and others today we're looking at Ephesians 4:25 through 32 dealing with our emotions in 25 through 31 and then the last verse I'm going to view that as dealing with others' emotions towards us. You'll notice that there are six kind of verses or a bunch of verses talking about the way we act, and then there's one on how we're supposed to react. Two perspectives that are very intimately intertwined. Look at verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Falsehood refers back to uh, verse 17. And we don't have that up on a slide, so just listen. Don't walk like the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. As a believer in Jesus Christ, and what this means is, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I believe that Jesus died for my personal sins, and that he was resurrected, period. Okay? A lot of times we put a lot of other trappings in there, but the gospel is very simple. Christ died for my sins, and that he was resurrected to new life. He's alive, and in fact, as a believer, if I believe in him, he comes and lives in me and lives through me. In fact, we're going to look at that real quick. Christ gave His life in order, He gave His life for us, in order to give His life to us, in order to live His life through us. Christ wants to live His life through us, and where He shows up everywhere we do, at work, in our community, with our neighbors, in our marriages, in our families. He's there. Speak truth with your neighbor. What's the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Folks, we don't need a visitation team to talk to our neighbor. God put us there to share our faith, to love our neighbor, to be kind to them, and to share. So we have to speak the truth to one another. The context is set, we are walking through this life together. Jesus in us, the hope of glory. We are sharing, caring, loving, using our gifts and abilities in the church, in our families, in our wider community. But what happens when we as people get together? Say just in this group, or in a smaller group, or in your family. The downside is we can both love each other But occasionally we do things that irritate each other. Verse 26 says, be angry and don't sin. Folks, this is a human reaction to life. Okay, Paul is not preaching here. Don't ever get angry because it's going to happen. Something's going to happen and you're going to feel anger. The trick is not to sin. I've often joked, hey, when you get that down, let me know, okay? Because it's hard. We pull the trigger quickly. It is possible to be angry and not to sin. What's a sin here? It's acting on our anger. Paul gives an example of what happens if we do go into sin in verse 31. Bitterness, wrath, More anger, slander, malice. It's okay to be righteously angry. Just don't let it fester and become sin. James 1 has a great explanation of what sin looks like. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Folks, it's okay to get angry. Just, you have to deal with it. And here's Paul's suggestion on that. Don't let the sun go down in your anger, meaning, Before you go to bed, make sure that you've dealt with this, with the relationship, with before God, and you're there. Because if we sleep on it, we will become what our millennial brethren say, a hot mess. Some of you are sitting there going, Gib, I don't have this problem. I don't have this problem. Best thing to do is verify that with somebody around you. I heard that laughter. I don't need to go any further on that. Okay. Uh, I have a quote up here from uh, uh, an ancient church father, Christostom. Now I'm going to read this. This was written a long time ago, like 1800 years ago. Do not let the sun leave you as enemies. Lest anger increase overnight. Do you wish to have your fill of anger? One hour, two, or three is enough. Is enough. But do not let the sun go down and leave you both as enemies. It was God's goodness that did not leave us in anger. He did not let us part in enmity. He shed his light upon those of us who were sinners. So when evening is coming on, be reconciled. Quell the evil impulses while they are fresh. For if night overtakes you, the next day will not be enough time to extinguish the further evil that has been increasing. Overnight. I love that quote. How are we supposed to live? We are supposed to live forgiving the other person, reconciling with the other person, and not allowing anger to build. Next verse, verse 27. Let give no opportunity to the devil. When we get angry, and we allow it to control us, we give a beachhead to the devil. We give some entry point in for him to work further, like going to bed on it. We just talked. We all know what happens when we do that. It builds and builds and builds. Okay? In John 10, Jesus said this about the enemy. The enemy comes to kill, steal, steal. And destroy. The key in this passage is what Jesus says after that. And this is a contrast, folks. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. See the contrast? Destruction, life. Jesus living through us, we should bring life into every situation because that is who He is. When we get angry, we want to get even and make life miserable for someone else. Paul's talking about new life here, and I feel like he has this ADD moment because in verse 28, he starts talking about a thief. And let's look about the thief. The thief no longer steal. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Okay, let's get this down. You have a thief. And he's now part of the kingdom of God. And what does Paul say? Stop stealing. And folks, we could have somebody up here and they could come up and they could share a testimony. I used to be a thief, but I came to Jesus and I quit. And what would we do? Okay. Paul, uh, John, I hope that you're counting my verbal fillers there. Okay, good. Uh, I have friends in the audience and they are... uh, uh, Brutal with me about those uh, verbal fillers. The thief comes to Christ and Paul doesn't leave him there. He is supposed to work an honest job with his hands and makes money so that he can provide for his needs in an honest way. For what purpose? Okay, The thief over here, he's in your house. He's in your computer. He's in your pockets. He's intimately acquainted with who you are. Over here, the thief is so intimately acquainted with people in his community, either his neighbor or somebody in a small group, or a small church, or somewhere that he knows they have a need. And he meets that need. That's a transformed life in one verse. You go from thief that takes to the converted thief that gives. That's a changed life in Jesus Christ. That's Jesus living through that person. And it's a beautiful verse. Now, some of us sit there and go, that was good, Gib, but I'm not a thief, so I can blow that off, right? No. You can't blow that off. Just think of the Ten Commandments you know, the last couple of them that talk about Okay, there's thieves, there's liars, there's people that don't honor their parents, uh, people that struggle with their sexuality, and uh, there are folks that covet. So maybe you fall into one of those categories. Maybe there's something else, and you're stuck. You've come to Christ, but you haven't allowed him to work you through that process where you've really transformed Because that's a picture of the church. We may be in the beginning stage, we may be in a mature stage, but we're there. Where are you? Ask the Lord, do I need to work on something and allow you to transform me into something new and different? Church. Do it. Verse 29. Let no corrupting, this is another great picture, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Ever bought a tomato, a bunch of tomatoes, taken them home, and one of them spuriously gets in the back of the refrigerator, but you don't know it. And it's there. And you find it like two months later because you open the refrigerator one day and it smells. And you have to take the refrigerator apart to find it. And you find it back there and it is black and green and yucky. That is what Paul is saying comes out of our mouths. Rotten, corrupt stuff. is. We are capable of saying those things. We as believers need to choose not to do that, but to say things that build up the other person. My favorite picture of this is when I'm talking to someone. Say I'm talking to somebody that's married. They have kids. They have a lot going on. They've got work. They've got a yard. You know, they have all these things pulling on them got a brick. Put some mud on it. Slap it down. Got a brick. I'm building them up. I'm going to talk to this guy and encourage him to love his wife and to love his family. Spend time with his family. I'm going to do things to try to build him up and strengthen him. Okay? When you're talking to one another, when we're talking Say things that build the other person up and strengthen them. Folks, this also includes what we say on social media, private email. Every once in a while, somebody screws up and they copy me on something they sent to somebody else. <laughs> oh my, oh my. You get a different view of them, okay? What are we asking you to do? When you're interacting with someone, and it may be somebody at work, they're not even a believer, you can still encourage them and build them up, okay? You build up, don't blast. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Paul gives a beautiful picture here of how God works through us and he's working in us. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can hurt the Holy Spirit. How? By things that we say, by our anger going on into it. The Holy Spirit is guiding us, leading us. He was given for that purpose. And we need to make sure that we are walking in the Spirit, not grieving the Spirit, and following along. It's crucial as we walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Verse 31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, Slander be put away from you, along with all malice. What's bitterness? Pastor Jeremy's been talking in Ruth. Naomi describes herself that way. She's lost her husband. Okay, she's lost her sons. She has no inheritance. No way to provide. And what does she do? She does not sit in Moab and go, Woe is me. She goes back to her people, hoping that God will provide and take care of her. And he blesses her above and beyond anything else. Emotion is not the problem, people. It's what we do with it, what we do with our emotions. Wrath is an overflow of indignation in our mind. We've got our mind wrapped up, and all of a sudden, it just starts pouring out. Anger. Same word as before, but this is anger, slept on, dwelt on, thought about. Okay? Okay? There's a place in scripture that says, sow uh, the wind, reap the whirlwind. Okay? And we've seen that happen. Clamor. A loud, confused noise, especially that of people shouting, usually at each other. Okay? And we've seen that too and experienced that. Slander. Slander is making false spoken statement damaging to another person's reputation. And then malice. Malice is another word for hatred. And there are various levels of hatred. In church, this is the really insipid one on that. All the other ones are some sort of an outburst. But you could have somebody sitting with you and they hate you and you don't know it until it comes out. And when it comes out, it comes out. And it's painful. No one, please remember... No one makes me angry. I choose to be angry, then I choose how I'm going to respond. Put these strong emotions away from you, set them aside, so that you can function in the power of the Holy Spirit. Put away has an interesting twist to it. And this is my take on this. Okay? We put things away but it's not permanent because our emotions continue to be with us. It's like having a cupboard and you take a bottle and you set it up on the shelf, okay? It's still there. It's out of the way, but it's set aside so that it does not affect the flow through the, in life. We have to set these things aside So that we can walk with Christ, so that we can live with other people, so we don't hurt others. Let's review 25 through 31. Be angry, don't sin, don't go to bed angry, don't give the enemy an opportunity. The words that we say ought to build up, not blast. Be led by the Holy Spirit and put away, set aside bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. That was easy, wasn't it? Okay. You know how one way I know that I'm beginning to get angry and it's creeping out? It's when sarcasm it's really, really, really bad. Okay. That was just a brief taste of sarcasm. I'm not angry. Okay. I want to look at verse 432 in a, in a different perspective. We looked at uh, 25 through 31 from the perspective of us. Now I'm going to look at how do we respond when someone has this emotional outburst to us or we feel that. And really, the way we respond to people all the time, whether they're angry or not. Uh, Here's an example of this. You could look at it. The first verses were weeds that were pulling out of a garden. Okay. But what do you do after you weed your garden? If you don't do anything, what happens? More weeds, okay. Plant good stuff in the garden, okay. So here comes the good stuff. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as Christ, as God in Christ, forgave you. Here's a problem that we have with us, folks. We read that verse and we go, "Oh, I got that down. I'm sweet. I'm nice." I'm forgiving. I'm wonderful. Well, I like everybody. Well, except for the guy at the drugstore. He's a jerk. Rudely, every time I go in there. And, well, yeah, I haven't been to Christmas uh, uh, with my family in 10 years because my brother didn't pay me back and I uh, don't want to go. Folks, we're not going to fix all the relational issues in the church in one sermon real quick, okay? I don't have a wand or anything like that. But over and over as a believer in Jesus Christ, that he's in us, he's in us, and he's living in us and he wants out. He wants to live through us, and we have to choose to do that. And these things, this kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, really represent who Jesus is, and he's living inside of us. Be kind. Is the face in the face of an emotional upheaval? People who have left behind anger bitterness, wrath, and slander. Jesus modeled kindness and he asked us to do that. Who did he model kindness to? Pretty much everybody except for the religious people, okay? He was accepting and welcoming. Tenderhearted is being like Jesus, loving, approachable, listening, building the other up. Folks, we have to work at this. We have to focus on this and try, make an effort for God to work and change us to where we treat other people this way. Forgiving one another. Forgiveness is no longer holding someone to account for what they did. We're releasing them from their debt to us. It doesn't mean that we are reconciled or being back friends or even associated with them, but we're forgiving. We are having that account no longer taken into place, okay? We've forgiven it. We're not generating anger on that. We're not generating other feelings, okay? We have released them into God's mercy and care. Our Lord forgave at the cross. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's talking about us too. We need to practice what Jesus modeled. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate us. Hate, feel it. How do we respond? Gentle, kind, tender, forgiving. Because they don't know what they're doing. When we forgive, we do good to them and to ourselves because it benefits us. It releases us to go on and live. Sometimes when I forgive... The next morning, I wake up, and there it is again. And I have to forgive again. And the next morning, I have to forgive again. And the next morning, I have to forgive again. This is just what God does with us. He forgives me today, and He forgives me tomorrow, And the next day, and the next day, and the next. We have to forgive those who hurt us. My brothers and sisters, we play games with forgiveness. Well, I don't have to forgive them because they didn't ask. Heard that before? Thought that before? That's not what this is. We are supposed to live a life of kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. It's who we become. It's who we become. Plant and water, kindness, tenderheartedness, and forgiveness. To close, I'd like to give you a picture. Ah, look, there's a cabin. I'm sitting there drinking my coffee. Jesus and I are talking. We're interacting. He's talking about me. And I'm talking about, you know, and asking him about how I should live. And there's a knock at the door. And we look over and go, Jesus, last time that knock came on the door, that temptation was there. And I left you sitting here and I went and answered the door and I got beat up. I want you to go with me and answer the door. Pray with me. Father, help us as individuals, and as a church, to be known for our love for one another, for our neighbors, our community, and that we would also be known for being tender-hearted, kind and forgiving. It's in Christ's name. Amen.